Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Yo, what's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn, a.k.a. The Professor. It's the C3 Panthers podcast bonus edition. Carolina Panthers 2021 schedule release and maybe a Teddy teaser at the end uh for some of the comments that are floating around about the coaching staff uh but as as always we appreciate your time uh go ahead and smash the thumbs up button be a part of the longest running panthers podcast out there just like my co-host is a part of that podcast cody lashney what's up my man tone it done man we're back again one night later we're here to talk about some schedule man uh, we're going to go through it and see what we make of this, uh, where we think we're going to get some wins and some losses. And, uh, yeah, then Teddy Bridgewater want to act as a chump and, you know, like he's, like he's been known to do. So, uh, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit too, man, but, uh, we still got people rolling into the chat room, but we already got Taylor step, Jocelyn price, Chad Morales. Hey man, we're ready to talk about this, Tony. Uh, I'm pumped, man. Nothing to it but to do it. Let's roll. So the Carolina, well, the NFL does a great job in dominating a news cycle, right? And in a way, they have tried to to continue this by, you know, making the draft more and more of a of a showcase experience. Where and really, you saw it before the pandemic with how big the combine was in coverage, and it just always seemed like this: the Super Bowl was over the combine comes then there's draft coming up then there's free agency then there's the draft and they're able to dominate the headlines and they do that just like they did today with a lot of drama kind of like with free agency where you see the leaks of the players coming out today we have we kept hearing news 
oh, week one is the Jets. And then a couple hours later, you'd hear week two and three. So the Carolina Panthers schedules come out. And one of the big changes this year, Cody, is that there is an extra game in it. Yeah, we have an extra game. Um, we were actually going through that before we went live here, trying to come through, you know, um, what games were added, which one was based on where we ranked in our division as opposed to others. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, overall, I'm uh, I'm not too upset uh, with, with the schedule and, and how it's looking. I'm going to go ahead and throw up this uh, – graphic here apologies it's not uh, a little easier to read i don't know if that makes it any better but uh there it is man and i mean honestly having a home game and you know to open the season i feel like uh that's kind of something that we don't get very often uh and that's something that we've got now and boy what an opener huh sam Darnold against his former team uh, and, you know, we're going to be able to see the number two pick in the draft and Zach Wilson and, and what they're able to do and um, whether or not our defensive backfield has been able to make an upgrade uh, from what we had last season. So, I, I, I'm, I mean, does anything stick out to you so far? I mean, well, right away, before we even get to that Jets matchup, yeah. you add the extra game and they shave a preseason game off. Right. And, you know, yeah. the, we're always debating whether or not the preseason is interesting or not. And um, so we'll just be the, interested to see what the dynamics are and trying to figure out what um, how you you kind of identify the 53 man roster. And I wonder if there's any changes in the, uh, the size of the roster because of this extra game. There are not two buys. That's another thing. There's just one buy a week, um, from what I can tell, right? So three three preseason games. And then, like you said, this opener. And what is it kind of a strangely and oddly a very interesting match, an exciting game in some ways, is that you're going to get to see the debut of Zach Wilson and the new coaching staff of Robert Sala coming to town to take on their former, you know, big-time draft pick in Sam Darnold. The Carolina Panthers have risked a lot or kind of uh, hedged a lot of bets on Sam Darnold. So, I mean, you know, the talk of the town is going to be like how this showcases these two moments for at, for the franchise, right? And, yeah. I mean, you can't really draw that up any better um, as a way to introduce these two teams and how their futures are going to look, except for that game right away. Yeah, uh, the real zero chill says I believe Sam will dominate the Jets, and man, I'm, that's what I'm hoping. I put on Twitter, Sam is going to throw for over 400 yards against the Jets. Man, I I believe it, dude. I'm just I'm choosing to believe. Like, listen, like I, especially going into this year, and we've talked about this before. Like the excitement levels going into this year compared to just last year, it, to me, it's like night and day difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Like we, we're hoping that Sam Darnold can turn it around and be something, but just based on first glance, I think our schedule early on uh, is favorable, and at least the first three games. And tell me where you think my logic. Uh, is flawed here, Tony. So we have the Jets. They were picking number two. They have a brand new head coach. So they have a lot left to prove. A, a young rookie quarterback, right? Then we're still at home against the division rival New Orleans Saints who just got rid of or moved on from their Hall of Fame quarterback. 
And we really don't know what their starting quarterback situation is going to be. It's going to be a battle between Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Uh, and maybe Ian Book, but I doubt that shit seriously. Um, and so, okay, so that's a good opportunity to be 2-0. and And then week three, dude, everyone is predicting that the Houston Texans, obviously because it's looking like they're not going to have Deshaun Watson, uh, that the Texans might have the first pick in the draft next year. So I mean, they should. Like, I mean, yeah, like, there's I a, mean, you know, the way their roster is, in some ways, they could have the number one pick with Deshaun Watson at this point. And dude, imagine the confidence level that could be built in Sam Darnold if he's able to get a big W in Week One, and then go through Weeks Two and Three on an undefeated team. Like, if we're able to get that first little bump at the start of the season, man, I, I feel like we could have limitless potential um i i know i saw josh klein put this out there today from the riot report and it was a little snarky in its essence but i mean there's kind of two sides to the story and that was he's like i'm already hearing people saying week one is a must win and he was saying like come on that's ridiculous i think that's what he was implying and in in some ways, I mean, in many ways, he's right because there's 17 more games to play, 16 more games to play after that, and one game is not going to determine your season entirely. But in, on the other hand, is that there are momentum points and confidence points and h- how things work. And I I still go back to losing uh, to Denver on the road on Denver in 2016. The first year, the first game back, removed from the Super Bowl, where they went headhunting on Cam. Ugh, and it really, we were terrible. so close to uh, winning that game with a Graham Gano field goal. Yeah. And um, and it just seemed like if that – it always it just always felt like if we would have won that one game, the dominoes that year yeah, would have gone a different have, way. Yeah, it it might have just felt different. And, and you know, I, I get who, – who did you say? Was it Josh Klein? That was kind of being snarky about it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything big deal, but it was like, come on, guys, yeah. already must win. But I do right. think there's some merit here because you have yeah, sure. not only not only from a PR standpoint, but right now is that it seems like the one of the big question marks with Sam Darnold and some of these quarterbacks who struggled it early in their career is how do they regain a sense of confidence? Um, and yeah. You know, and it's a, it's like this is that, and that's why the Jets have moved on from him in a certain way. Is that like, um, it's just not going to work here. It seems like, and if he starts off on a bad note against his former team, I just feel like that could contribute a lot to the head case development. And I don't think he is that. Everybody says he's like remarkably cool under you know, like he doesn't let things phase him and stuff like that, but. Uh, I think it's a very important game for the staff. I think it's an g- important game for setting a tone, uh, a statement that what you, the decisions you made were were logical or, or good ones. And I got to believe that Joe Brady and Matt Rule are saying this, we're going to make him look good this week. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And there's certainly something to be said about it, considering how one organization just blatantly chose one of these quarterbacks over yeah. the other. You know, and especially we're trying to prove that you, that the Jets had a franchise quarterback and that they didn't treat him right. So look, we're gonna be that that new boyfriend that's got the dime piece on their arm that's trying to show off and be like, yeah, 
mine now. I'm going to treat her the way you didn't, bro. You know, excuse my analogy here, but that's kind of what it feels like. Like, I'm going to treat this quarterback the way you were never able to. So, uh, yeah, it's very important. It, it, it's not, again, he's right in that it's not an absolute must win. But, again, uh, especially for Sam's confidence after how things ended, like, this is a big home opener for, honestly, for the Jets and the Panthers. I mean, this is big on all fronts for them. Um, it, you know, even to the point, okay, so we have to mention this at some point or another, we only have one primetime game and that's week three. Right. Against, yeah, but, and that's week three against Houston. I'm kind of surprised that with that kind of story, that the one primetime game that we get, I'm surprised that it isn't that one, uh, Jets and, and Carolina, just because the, the story, uh, in and of itself is, is worth it, you know? Um. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I. I, I was. Uh. I, I was just gonna say is like, what kind of world is the Jets and met the Texans and the Panthers a prime time game? Yeah. I. I. Dude, I could not tell you that. That's the head scratcher on the list. Um. I don't know why that would be the the Monday night game. Um. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to me. But then, okay, we already kind of talked about the first three. Uh, let's continue to to move down that list. So then, week four, we're on the road, one p.m. against Dallas. Um, See, this look, is good if you hit that momentum point like you're talking about the Jets. Yeah. The say you pull one off at the Saints. Say somehow you start three and zero, right? Um, two and one, but three and zero right here, walking into Dallas. I think that you. I mean, Dallas is a beatable team. Yeah, and the NFC is so just as a whole, it's inconsistent. Like I remember, it used to be. They'll have Dak back. Well, yeah, but true. But the NFC South, I remember, it used to be that division where nobody really knew like who was going to be the dominant team. And I feel like now that's the NFC East. Like it, it, I mean, you name it: Philly, uh, Washington, Dallas. Like there really is no true front runner in my I mean I guess it's Dallas just because Dak is probably now the most seasoned quarterback in that division which is weird I don't think so. I think it's actually the Washington football team that is the the people that have first they won the division last year yes they did it again with they got a losing record Who's their quarterback? They did get Fitz Magic, yes, and that is a oh, giant okay. I mean if anything that he's never made the playoffs in his entire career which is crazy but he can sling Ever? it and I think, yeah, and he's been in the league for like, and he's played for 17 different teams. You know, he's yeah, like insanity. He's played for every NFL team. <laughs> and um, I was thinking, I mean, with Dak too, I think while everybody believes that you just come back from injury and you plug and play and everything was great and you see he was throwing for like 500 plus early on last year before that, you never know how injury, like what the rehab's going on. And it's just such a, the Mike McCarthy is just a such a shit show, right? Is that uh, I don't really have a lot of faith in in the stars going into this year. I think if anything, it's Washington football team that's probably like the strongest team in the division with the Giants, kind of a team that could surprise a lot of people this year. Yeah, added a lot of pieces on offense. They are going, you know, it's kind of like Dave Gettleman's state, basically a statement of what he did wrong while he was here in Carolina. He's drafted offensive line last year, I think, 
and now they're trying to add weapons. They got Tooney or Tony Tooney. They also added uh, Kenny Galladay. So if he can stay healthy, and I think they have like maybe Sterling Shepard. So either they got some players on the team, and maybe Saquon. And I think also that they've added a lot to the secondary. James Bradbury's returning. So I think the Giants are a team that it really kind of just can t- depends on Daniel Jones. Is he going to stink like he has so far? Or now is it going to start to come together with the talent? But the Washington football team's defense is no joke, brother. Dude, that that defense is legitimately has the potential to be terrifying, uh, especially yeah, exactly. their, especially their defensive front. Like, dude, Chase Young, uh, the Allen guys that they drafted a few years ago, they have two Alabama defensive tackles. Uh, then they have um, uh, uh, Montez Sweat. I mean, they've they've got some dudes, man. They and, added and a linebacker, I think, in like round one this year. Uh, they've they, yeah, they've made some moves, man. They've definitely done a few things. Um, yeah, uh, I think that, yeah, they took Jamin Davis out of Kentucky, who was the guy that, frankly, I think the Panthers could have used. Um, really tall, fast inside linebacker prospect out of Kentucky. Um, but yeah, that and defensive re- front and, and listen, isn't that so true to Ron Rivera though? Like Ron yeah. Rivera, Ron Rivera just wants to play punch you in the mouth defense. It, you know, it's like we don't really have to wonder too much what we're going to see in that game. I mean, I think the biggest question mark is going to be what kind of offense is Washington going to have in that time period? Um, you, you know, but yeah, the I, I kind of. But without diverting doing. too much into the Washington football team, I'm sorry, I kind of distracted. It. It's like that's what I mean with the NFC East. But here, right. after week four, is that the Dallas could be a really good team. You know, Dak could come back and they could be really good all of a sudden. Uh, they got a new defensive coordinator. You know, they've they've been, they're trying to make some changes and get that where there were some real deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball. Look, everybody was putting up forty against them last year, but uh, you know, so. Th- you know, you, you, this might be a very tough matchup for the for the Carolina Panthers, or it could be a winnable game. And then you return home in week five, and you got two more games that are potentially all winnable games right now. The yeah. Eagles, right? And the Eagles, we don't know what they're going to look like with, I guess, Hurd. Is it Jalen Hurd? Yeah, they have Jalen Hurts. Um, and Hurts. They just drafted Devonta Smith, who was my wide receiver number one. Um, again, uh, some of these games too, like you just don't know about. So like Dallas, they had a lot of injuries on their offensive right. line, right? And then they, of course, Dak Prescott was injured. Uh, their defense was terrible last year, and then they went and spent a first and second round pick upgrading their defense. So I mean, that's where Michael Parsons went. So they have a legit linebacking core now. Um, and everybody so- said they wanted. Uh- JC, you know, JC Horn or Sertain. Who'd they get yeah. in the second round? Uh they got um Kelvin Joseph, the corner from Kentucky, who I've oh, I, I loved. He was one of he was in my top five corners. Um he had a bunch of like off the field issues too. And I think that's kind of why teams were hesitant. But he's a he's a baller. Uh and then yeah, week six, Minnesota. And again, that's a team where you just don't really uh know too much what kind of next step they're going to take. They still have Kirk Cousins. They drafted the left tackle in the first round with Daryl Shaw. Um, and then they drafted um, the guy from Texas A&M, Kellen Mond, the quarterback. So, uh, again, you know, they're a strange about. team, man. Is that it's, it's, it's kind of weird sometimes when a team's like identity shifts 
or the perception of a team's identity for me shifts is I've yep. always been worried about Minnesota's defense. You know, is that like yeah. for the last whatever decade and and now and Zimmer's a defensive coach. They've always right. been a tough, mean defense and they were talented. And it seems like uh, some as those guys have aged out a little bit, that a lot of the talent has shifted almost accidentally to the offensive side of the ball. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Calvin Cook, uh, Kirk Cousins. The Jefferson kid is like blowing it, blew it up last year. And did you did you see what I put on Twitter when he was like basically taking shots at Kirk Cousins? Justin Jefferson was like doing an interview with Cowherd, I think it was, and it didn't sound like he had glowing reviews of of really? Kirk. Yeah, it's, uh, it was actually interesting. Too, interesting addition. Well, just one name to keep an eye out for. Uh, Blake Pro, Ricky Pro's son, who attended East Carolina and didn't really have that much of a career here, left a year early. Uh, he was un- went undrafted, but signed with the Minnesota Vikings. So you can watch the the Pro kid, maybe, yeah, uh, um, right. if the opportunity's there. Now again, boom, we're at week seven right here, and I'm not f- afraid of any of these guys so far. <laughs> Yeah, right now, none of these teams really, like, honestly, listen, they, like, I mean, and this is really being real. Looking at this schedule, there are two teams to me that I look at and I instantly know, damn, that is going to be a scrap. And uh, then there's another wild card game in there that has the potential to be really, really tough. Um and then listen. I take we, it it's not the New York Giants. No, it's not. Well, look, <laughs> let, let's continue to go in order here in, in, in threes, okay? So that's week six. Then week seven, we go uh, on the road to New York. Then on the road again to Atlanta, week eight. And then the big one, baby. The one this is that the we're. Game, folks. This is the one that we're all circling on the calendar. Um, you know, we're probably going to, it feels like we're going to try our hardest to maybe do some kind of meetup during the season. And that might happen at this game. Cam Newton coming home, baby, coming home with a different football team, uh, looking to get some revenge on the team to let him go. Dude, that's going to be hard, Tony. It's going to be hard watching Cam you know, Newton play the Panthers. Well, we're gonna we're all going to be there. We're going to have to rally at your house, man, and go together yeah. because that is my birthday week. My birthday is the 11th, so that's a perfect time for me to make it a celebrate. Like, this is why I can all sell it to my family of why this weekend is going to be devoted to this. But you're right; it's going to be an interesting point, <clears throat> or it's going to be a, it's it's going to be tough emotionally for a lot of us. Like, I'm going to wear my Cam Newton jersey. When I go up in there, how um, could you not? Yeah, how, yeah. Right. Um, I not? am. I'll, I'll be cheering for the Carolina Panthers to win. Um, but it will be different seeing. It'd be nice to see Cam on the field again for me. Like as you know, it's been a while since I've seen him play in person. I was with CK and I were both there. Um, in the game he got hurt two years ago, that effectively became his last game. I think it was Tampa Bay. <sighs> Uh, like week yeah. two or something like that, but yeah, that's going to be difficult and and, and <clears throat> not an easy. You know what is we're probably talking about week eight and week nine being the two toughest matchups 
outside of New Orleans uh, on the whole schedule to the to that point. You know, the yeah. Patriots have loaded up on offense. This is kind of a brutal three-week stretch for us. Week eight on the road against the Falcons, at home against the Patriots, then on the road um, against the Cardinals, and then back at home. This is a brutal stretch because look at the next games. We better start out. Five and oh, yeah, so because like, things could get ugly around week nine. Well, okay, do you remember my tried and true saying, or I feel it's tried and true, that we really don't know who an NFL team is through after about week six? Like, right. weeks, yeah, you've we, said we, this a lot. Yeah. That's when we learn who's we, we, the real yeah, deal, we, usually. That's unless that's when Pittsburgh, you, that's when you get to see that we separated from the chat or from the shape or whatever the fuck it's called, you know. you uh, as you start to get into the colder months that, you know, late October, early November football, you know, that's when you're hoping that you're healthy, that, you know, your guys are starting to peak at that point in time. As it gets colder, you know, you have to be ready to play some hardcore football. And I don't mind saying that, I mean, up until week seven, like none of these teams have me shaking in my boots. Um, Atlanta, they're a division rival, and we know their offense is loaded, right? And they added Kyle Pitts, and that's going to be the first time of many times that we're going to see Kyle Pitts versus J.C. Horn. And I'm ready for that, dude. I I think uh, uh, there was no player in last year's uh, draft who went up against uh, Kyle Pitts that did better than J.C. Horn. Uh, I mean, they got the better of each other, but dude, no one gave Kyle the problems that JC did. So I'm pumped for that. Um, yeah, up until week nine. And then from week nine on out, you can say that every matchup from then on has the potential to be brutal. Um, yes. Yeah. Like almost everyone could be a loss in some ways, if you think mean, yeah. in a weird way. And Is the card uh, the- loaded. Yes, the Cardinals are are just getting better and better everywhere. It seems like yeah. um, the Dolphins in Week Twelve. So then you got to then you get Ron Rivera in the mean defense. You know he wants a little revenge too. Oh, There's yeah. another cool storyline there. So you have Cam, um, and in Week Nine, then you're on the road against what could be a scorching hot Cardinals team. I'm almost curious to see what. The Cardinals' schedule looks like through, the added, you know, where they'll be Watt. sitting at. Yeah, they had JJ Watt. They, uh, you know, they've really added some players to that team. And by the way, even with the Patriots, it's not just, I mean, obviously the Cam Newton thing is the biggest story going into it, but they added a ton oh, two of tight players. ends. Yeah. 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 Uh, Hunter Henry, they added a ton of players in free agency. Um, Ooh, so, what about this? What if, uh, what if, we are all that hype is built up for us getting to to see Cam Newton and then Mac Jones starts that week. Dude, there's no fucking way. Could be, it could dude. be like injury. It could be, no. you know, like watch us get there and then not even be Cam playing. Bro, and you know what, man? If I do go to that, like there's going to be part of me that has like a hole in my heart because I have never been to a Panthers game where Cam Newton was quarterback in the team. Obviously, I've, I've seen the games, but I went to my first game in an NFL stadium at all last year, and I did it two times, and it was incredible. But the fact that I might be at a game where Cam Newton is on the field and not with my team, dude, it burns, man. 
I'm telling you, it burns. Ah. Yeah, let me just say, what when do we play the Cardinals? What week? Uh, ten. Ten. Okay, so here, just quick reaction: Tennessee uh, Cardinals at Titans, Week One. Is that a Cardinal, win or loss for the Cardinals? Um, Cardinals at Titans. Yeah, that's Week One for them. Uh, probably the Cards. All right, so they're one and zero. Then, then they're on. Uh, then they host Minnesota. So say two and zero. Then they are at Jacksonville. Maybe say three and zero there. Maybe I. I don't. I don't. I think that Trevor is going to hit the ground running. Right. Okay. So you want to say they start out what two and one then? Yeah. Let's just say two and one. I mean, okay. And then so week four they are at Los Angeles against the Rams. Uh, then they got the, the Rams, 49ers. They could be both of those two teams could be very that division. And then is, Cleveland. Ooh, that's a tough stretch. For yeah, them. they have a tough Rams, stretch. Niners, and then at the Browns. So say they won one one or one or two of those games. What does that put them at? Two, four and two. That would be the best case scenario. Then they get the Texans, so they could be five that's and two. W. Then they get the Packers. Let's say, let's just give them another loss, whether it's either the Packers or the not, you know. Uh, so five and three. If that's Aaron uh, San- Rodgers, it's probably a loss. San Francisco, uh, again. So they could be uh, anywhere from like five and four or, you know, what, seven, uh, eight, seven and two by the time they come to Eventually. Carolina. Yeah. Maybe six or it's actually as we go there. So that's gonna be an important game for them, right? Yeah. Um also they're uh uh they've upgraded a ton on their defense, like a ton a ton. Like they've really been making did you dive. hear the call? The guy, the the guy they drafted, the call uh when the guy called him up uh um, um, and told okay. him he was getting drafted. No, you haven't heard it. But the, oh, the, the Cardinals call? No. Yeah. I can find right. it if you want to. I, I, um, I'll, I'll find it. All right. So, um, all right. After the Cardinals, what do we got? So, yeah. From then, we're moving to week 11, 12, and 14. 11, we're at home against the Washington football team and Ron Rivera. Uh, then week 12, we are on the road against two attack of Loa and the Miami Dolphins. And then week 14, we are at home against the Atlanta Falcons. So this Zaven Collins is the guy. Yeah, who drafted. I like a lot. And I, I think he is going to be starting, too. Like, they've already. But listen. Bam. What's your linebacker? Matt Jones. Matt Jones. Perfect. Quarterback. Excellent. Catch you guys. Got it. All right, boys. We're going to make the pick. Hello. Zaven. Steve Kime. Steve, how's it going? Good, man. You got some dogs in the background? What do you got going on there? Steve, how's it going? Stop, stop, stop. I didn't tell you I was picking you up, man. Tell him to calm down a little bit. Oh, my God. (laughs) Listen to this. this. Ready to roll? Steve, we're going to... Kill everyone. <laughs> We're gonna kill everyone. 
Like we're going to fucking kill like everyone. You. That was his response. I love it. We're going to get a Super Bowl ring so big on our on our fingers that a show dog wouldn't be able to jump over it. Keep that attitude. I like that. Dude, he said we're fucking gonna murder them. <laughs> he said we're gonna fucking kill them. <laughs> All right, uh, I like that call. But yeah, is oh, and I think uh, I think the Dolphins, man, are a team to be really concerned. Yeah. About. Like you said, but Tua, they added the big time receiver right in the draft. They've they're and they're yeah, really deep badass last year dude and they got my uh one of my draft crushes um jalen phillips the defensive end from miami i did a video on him on this channel uh and yeah. they got christian wilkins from clemson dude they they are loaded man uh yeah that's a that's a good team uh that whole division is really going to be tough uh, i mean especially considering we don't know uh what the jets are going to be you know it's actually kind of good that we get them early, I think. But the rest of those matchups uh, from that division, they're they're going to be tough. But I agree with you, man. That they uh, they they're doing things. That's one team that uh, I mean, they were so close to the playoffs last year. So it, it'll be interesting. Yeah, they were eleven see. and five, dude. They missed the playoffs. I mean, they were eleven and five and missed. You know, yeah. like. Um, all right, so then you get Atlanta um, at home in week 14. You're really talking about this is you're going to have to split with it. You got to split with all the division opponents if you want this schedule to be any worth a damn because yeah. week nine, it, get, it gets tough, man. Um, I don't know. You're, you're talking about the Pats, the Cardinals, the football team, the Dolphins. If we go two and two in that stretch, you got to be happy. Um. Right. So, if you like won against, how about this? Is that if you won against the Patriots and the Washington Football Team and lost to the Cardinals and the Dolphins, I count that as a win because you could really end up be, on winning maybe one of those games. Yeah. Let me ask you this: What to, in your mind, outside of the Bucks? And I think I know. I mean, it's pretty easy to think what your answer might be, but our toughest matchup. On this, like to me, I have one game that I almost guarantee. I mean, depending on how things go up until that point, there's one game that I almost definitely paint as a loss. Buff your your crush, the Buffalo the <laughs> North Panthers North. Keep rumbling. Yeah. I mean, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Like that? That. Well, I think yeah. I mean, I think them, and I think the Dolphins and the car. The, the those two teams are would have me yeah. concerned with the Bucks. And I, I think I the mean, Buffalo, Buffalo probably scares me more than Miami, though, just because we know yeah, who Josh yeah. Allen is as opposed to Tua. Yeah. No, I I agree. I agree, and you know that's going to be very important for them in Week 15. They're going to have a brutal schedule this year, I'm sure. Uh, so that's going to be either on, I guess, what is that, a Saturday or a Sunday? Let me see. Let me look at what the 19th is of December. Swish, what's up, bro? December 19th is Sunday. So they're either because, all right, so they'll start, They we can play on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, that is not a home, that's a road game too, right? Uh, against Buffalo. Yeah, you got to go yeah, on the road. Like, yeah, go ahead and mark that down as an L. And dude, it's week fifteen, so there's probably going to be a fucking blizzard up there. 
Yeah. 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 That, that's uh, and then you got to play the Bucks dude. twice. Look at this last three game stretch, too. The whole that, last, yeah. the, from week 10 through yeah, eight we, is like we, ridiculous. We, week 10 through 18 is absolutely. You might lose hell. out. <laughs> but, but thank God we have a bye week, week 13. So that's actually now, I think, now that the schedule is longer. I I'm actually happy that we have a buy later in the year because well, I think you always want to buy later in the year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, but, and we've but, been I mean, screwed over the last few years getting buys yeah. like in week five and seven. Four and, yeah. and yeah, dumb yeah. shit like that. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. But I think especially now that they've added another game to the season, um, you know, that's just more potential. Uh, that's four extra quarters in which you might end up getting hurt, you know? So um, I like the ability to rest up. Um, it comes at a good time, too. Week 13, we're going into Atlanta. Um, so we'll have a home game off of our bye against the division rival before we go on the road to Buffalo. So that's not terrible, you know? Um, the the fact – but you're right, though. From, t- from week 10 to 18 – that's a murderer's row. Um, but yeah, thank goodness we have a bye at uh week thirteen. All right, so uh shout out Jay yeah. Jor, man. Two dollars. Appreciate you, brother. Did y'all hear Teddy's comments on practice? So we're about to get to all of this, bro, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We wanted to do the schedule first just so we didn't go off on a crazy tangent with that and, and then never talk about the schedule. Yeah. And to add to it, uh Matt Rule has started doing his press conference too, and he even um had a response. But really I, yeah, which I have not watched yet, and I will play that live for us. Heck yeah. Okay. So I guess any any last thoughts on the schedule before we move on? Um I mean, no, I want to hear from some of the people in the chat room. I mean, obviously, what games are you most excited for? Um, what game do you think is gonna be the hardest? Uh, and give us some predictions, man. Put some predictions um in the chat as to what kind of team do you think this will be next year. Obviously, everyone's going to have time to change their predictions before the start of the year. Um, but I don't know, man. Right now, uh, it, it's hard to say, man. I think it's very plausible that this team can win nine games. Is that unreasonable? Like, Do you think um crazy? Well, I think nine that? to me is like, I think anything less than nine is going to be slightly disappointing. You know, is it is yeah. I just feel like as you know, incremental steps forward five last year, you know, okay, I will be happy with eight, right? We could build off of eight, we could say, Oh, we're heading the right direction and stuff. But I think if you hit nine or above somehow, then you just really feel good <laughs> about the direction instead of trying to talk yourself into it with the eight wins. But yeah, I think is that this is that if you don't win. If you don't win maybe seven out of your first 10 games, I don't know if nine's possible. Yeah. Uh, Jay Young says, I see us starting out five and no, uh, and we could end up being nine and 11 wins. I, I would love that. Um, I, I think that's, you know, that's not too unreasonable, man. I mean, just going through some of these. It's, it's kind of sleeping on New Orleans a little bit, man. Jameis is not going to, they're not going to be bums with Jameis. Yeah. 
maybe. And, yeah, and like that that team is still good. So if Jameis can do enough and be enough, yeah, they might. Again, it's just so hard to tell though because you know it's so easy to say that oh, well, they have a good team, but when you lose Drew Brees, you know, an, an NFL caliber uh, or and a no cornerbacks. <clears throat> yeah, true. Um, well, I mean, they, they still have Marshall Lattimore, right? Yeah, but I think he has to serve a suspension now. Um, and he might be, it might only be two games. Uh, maybe I hope it's uh oh, yeah, that means he won't be in that game, dude. Oh, dude, Sam Darnold might legit have over a thousand yards in his first three games. Uh, dude, that would be incredible, would it not? Like those defensive backfields, I mean, they're kind of hurting, huh? The Jets, the Saints, and the Texans. Like I, I'm, I'm the draft tech analyst for Houston, so I can tell you that they need corners, and they didn't draft one. So, dude, Sam, Sam could could really go crazy, man. Again, Sam has punishment was for guys. Sam Darnold has no excuses, man. In my opinion, I mean, unless the offensive line just ends up being so much worse than we anticipated being the kind of weapons that we have, the kind of team that we've built through the draft and in free agency. I mean, again, it's like, I feel like it's been so long now. It's easy to forget about like Hassan Reddick who had 12 sacks last year. You know, if him and Brian Burns can be a vicious tandem and, and uh, our uh, Derek Brown can eat up some space in the middle, our defense has the potential to play very, very fast and take the ball away. And, you know, we want to be an aggressive defense. And that's also going to help Sam. Oh, hey, he threw an interception? No problem. Brian Burns and J.C. Horn are looking to make up for you, bro. That's like your team having your back. Um, or them just giving you the more opportunities, even if you yeah, don't 100%, you screw it man. up. Is that like getting the ball back quickly? Uh, 100%. We'll see. It'll be interesting. That uh, that Saints game is going to be a, a fun one to watch, especially if Lat- uh, Lattimore, I think, is going to be suspended like four games because he got caught with a, with a, like a stolen handgun or something. Um, so anyway. Um, yeah, bro. Yeah, murderers stupid. row on the back end. Uh, yeah, it, it was stupid. And he was like in Denver. He was somewhere where there was legal weed. And uh, they got caught with legal weed and they basically, it was legal. So they were about to let him go. And the guy said, do you have, are there any guns? And he was, had to, he admitted to having a gun, which I guess you have to at that point. And then it turned out to be like concealed and stolen. And like, it's like, Oh God. Yeah. And, and dude, he's coming and he up almost on- got, you know, he's about to get let go. And then mugs ended up getting suspended for four games or something, yeah, six and, games or whatever. But dude, like, when he was first drafted, he was the defensive rookie of the year. Like, yeah. uh, dude, that would be a hell of a fall off. Hey, but fuck the Saints, man. Good for them. <laughs> oh, that's uh, right. Isaac Irvin said to the, the cop said, you'll shoot your dick off with it because he had it like just stuffed in his pants or something. <laughs> like, It's a weird story. Bob, Bob <laughs> Rose is the one told me about it. But, oh, um, wow. okay. So schedule, um, you know, kind of a tale of two halves. Yeah. You know, what about this? Is It could be a cool storyline is this. You start off real hot. You run into some adversity, maybe, and you know. But if you beat, if you knock off like 
say the card well say you knock off like one of the two the cardinals and the dolphins and then somehow you got you're on the road but all of a sudden these could be big state games you know week 15 we might be really good going into buffalo and like trying to prove that we're a real team that can win looking for a statement game the only thing that's really tough is just not knowing what the nfc east is going to be like I mean yeah. the fact that yeah I mean we we really do I mean from the from the Cowboys to the Eagles to the Giants to uh, to Washington like n- there is no certainty anywhere there like maybe Fitz Magic is is good for them and you know that defense does the most for them yeah. sure one hundred percent then uh, Daniel Jones like they're all kind of wondering if this is going to be the year that he takes that step forward I mean they have Saquon Barkley. They just drafted the kid from um, um, uh, Florida, Kadarius Tony. They have you know Saquon Barkley. They have players, you know. So uh, it's just so hard to know who they're going to be. But you know, back to my six game thing, Tony. If we extrapolate that out one more, so let's just say after week seven, you find out who's for real. Then that's pretty. That's right when our schedule starts to heat up. Because week seven or uh, week eight, rather, that's when we get uh, the Falcons at home. And that's when shit just starts to ratchet up. So it's like right when it comes time for the Panthers to prove that we're a legitimate contender, like it's going to be right around that same same time yeah. frame, man. I think another thing about the you said that we don't the uncertainty of the NFC East. I, In a way, I almost feel that way about our own division is that yeah. I have things that I want to believe about the teams, right? I mean, I, as right now, Tampa Bay is untouchable until they're not. They're the champs, and they brought back the whole squad and stuff. So Tampa Bay seems assume. like a lock at this point. Right. And, I mean, there's no there's no reason or evidence to think otherwise at this point. They were turning the whole team and drafted yeah. players. But I don't think that there's so many unknowns with the other three teams, including ourselves in that discussion for the rest of the division. Yeah. Whether it be the saints and their, the problems that the, you know, a defense that might have gotten older quickly and then has no backfield to it. Um, Questions about who's going to be the starter. Someone asked is, do we even know if Winston's going to be the star? No, we're not, we're not sure. You know, I I heard, I heard Sean Payton on Rich Eisen say, they intend to have a quarterback battle between Taysom Hill and James Winston. So, again, that's why you, you don't and know. Are, and like, then you don't know don't anything know about the Falcons either. Oh, I mean, we we have some things we want to believe about the Falcons. Uh, you know, the the Matt Ryan, the Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts. We want to believe that these are automatically going to equate uh, to you know them bouncing back offensively. And you add Art was Arthur Smith or whatever from the Titans is their new head coach, and he's supposed yeah. to be, um, you know, like what he's done with some of these offenses and what he's been able to work with. Now you give him kind of the best tools, but still, you know, I thought that they were going to be really good on offense last year. Yeah, and I think the question with them, and we were asking our guests this last night, uh, the the defense, like we just don't know what Atlanta's defense is going to be um, on paper. There's no reason that the Falcons shouldn't have one of, if not the best offense in the NFL. I mean, they're loaded. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, 
Um, you know, uh, now they're drafting Kyle Pitts. Like you're only oh Mike Davis. Forgot yeah the Mike Davis revenge. If y'all say so, Mike Davis. Um, yeah, man, I that's a, that's a tough team. That's a tough team. As much as you want to shit on the Falcons, that's a tough team. And that's when shit gets real, in my opinion. Like that's when it when it gets tough. Here's a question that might be kind of out of left field. Um, how much time do you think we will see Sam Darnold get in the preseason? Ooh. Yeah, good one. <laughs> uh probably yeah. not that much, to be honest. I mean, yeah. really, what do you 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 got three preseason games? You got to wonder when they're going to, what is it, I guess, are, are you going to try to put your, in the past, what, in week three, they've done, like, basically, on a team that really wanted to see a lot from their quarterback, they yeah. would play their starter for week maybe three. three quarters. Maybe, so you know, you just that, to start third. But now that there's three, because there used to be four, do you think that that's moved up to preseason game two? Like, but which game do you think that'll be when they play their starters the majority of the time? Because preseason three uh, is the Steelers, August 27th at home. I feel like we've always played our starters against the Steelers, too. Um, let's see what the dates are. I think some of it's going to be when is the roster cut for... Like, uh, when do they have to get the 55, right? Is uh, key dates 2021. Let's see if this says it. June, mini camp, deadline, franchise, August. No, God, when is when do you have to have the roster to 55 is the question. Or 60 or whatever it is. Um, and if that is... One of the things that that did in week four, I feel like um, that that kind of there it was like um, you had to play players that were going to be cut, um, or you couldn't play players that were going to be cut in week four. So I wonder if the fifty-three man or whatever that you have to make that announcement is it after the third preseason game? Because if it's after the third preseason game, then I could see basically. Um, you just trotting out the starters for a first half of the third game, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, where was? That? What do you think? Um, do you think he's going? What do you think they're going to? Maybe they just want to see him play two halves. That'd yeah. be interesting. Why don't you just like, you know, put him out there against uh, Baltimore for our first half, and again uh, against the Steelers, and try to get some reps and uh, and kind of get some chemistry going. Yeah, and then uh, Jedi George said he thinks that um, Will Greer is going to get most most of the snaps to see if he's worth keeping. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, between him and P.J. Walker, um, seeing what we have as a backup. Because, again, dude, it's like we can't handle another season of poor quarterback play. You know, it's like if this starts to go downhill fast, like that's a nightmare scenario because it doesn't look like we have too much behind Sam. Um, unless Will Greer is able to turn around his career. But um, again, dude, it's like it, it's so played out at this point, but it's the truest thing that we can say. Our season is going to rest on how good Sam Darnold can be for us. 
And that's that's just a fact, man. Like this team was already in what eight or nine different one score games last year that we lost. You know, Sam Darnold has to be the difference because Teddy Bridgewater clearly was not the difference last year. And uh, we need Sam to turn it up and, and, you know, prove to be worth that number three overall pick that he once upon a time was. So a lot Lee of Trotter says, uh, Lee Trotter said, I would not play CMC in the preseason. True. And, I wouldn't you, and then just give Chuba Hubbard and the other guys all the reps and let them take all the beating. Yeah. Uh, and see, uh, See why um why you drafted him, you know. I know I almost wouldn't even play Brian Burns in the preseason either. No, dude, I wouldn't play Brian. Dude, how about this? I'm not playing Brian Burns. Um, I might not even play Jeremy Chin. I mean, I play Derek Brown, who's just as important as any of them in a way uh, to the improving run defense that we got to be. You know, I mean, like the defense. Was getting punched in the mouth so up the middle. He's an important piece in this puzzle. Like if we don't have him, the interior defense gets is goes downhill real quick. Yep. So Tony, listen, too many uh, people are just asking about it. All right, we got to do it. Right. I think it's what I really wanted to do the show about. To be honest, that's what yeah, I, yeah, I kind of figured. I, I kind of figured. So um, yeah. Let me go ahead and and um share this right quick actually you know what before we get into that here let me do one thing let's do let's do our plug it's not too late right now um our friend kevin brown solar consultant for volta energy um he's got a deal for if you're a homeowner in north or south carolina and you want to cut your cord uh with the electric company and achieve energy independence get take advantage of tax credits state federal tax credits uh, add equity equity to your home. Uh, you can do that by contacting Kevin Brown, solar consultant for Avolta, 704-215-3373. That's 704-215-3373. Tell them that the guys at the C3 Panthers podcast sent you over there uh, and that you're a Panther fan as well and he'll take good care of you. Got to tell them that you heard about him on the C3 Panthers podcast because he's a big fan of the show. And right away, you'll have somebody that's automatically a brother in arms, a champion for you in your quest to achieve energy and independence. All right, let's go ahead and go with it. All right. So Teddy Bridgewater um, was on a podcast with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden. And, um, I don't necessarily know or remember what they asked him per se, but um, this is basically what Teddy Bridgewater had to say about his time uh, in Carolina. And he, uh, let's just say he said some things that had not only me pissed off, but a lot of Panther fans really up in arms. The whole deal in Carolina, it is what it is to be, man. Uh, I told him, you know, once the season ended that, I wear big boy draws, man, and you know I understand the nature of this business, and it's a performance-based business. And you know, yeah, I could sit up here and say, okay, Christian got hurt, or we didn't have this, didn't have that, but that's not me. You know, I look in that mirror and I say, hey, you got to tighten up. You know, so it's you know little things you know that I could have done better, and you know 
as an organization is things that, you know, you can do better as well. But I think, man, I'll just say this for, for Joe Brady's growth. I think, man, like that organization, they'll have to like just practice different things, you know, in, in, in different ways. Um, like one of the things we didn't do much of when I was there, we didn't practice two minute really. We didn't practice red zone, you know, what? so. The most yeah. important thing. <laughs> That's yeah, what you used to have a whole a whole day devoted for two minute yeah. in red zone. That's Thursday like, practice. Yeah, I mean it's you know I guess the game is becoming about science, you know, and no. trying to keep guys healthy. So yeah, you like, didn't practice on Fridays there, but you walk what? through like the red you walk through the red zone stuff, and then Saturday you come out and practice red zone, but you only get like fifteen live reps and guys oh, reps will be limited. Yeah, so I mean. You know that's the that's the unknown, but you know I'm I'm a pro, man. I I could sit up here and throw all that throw throw all of that out there, but but you just did, stupid, bro, dude. Everything this man does drives me up a fucking wall, dude. His voice even annoys me. How are you gonna say? I his fucking teddy bear sweatshirt. I want to punch him in his face for it, dude. It's like, oh well, uh, you know, I gotta look in the mirror. And, and talk about myself first and foremost, but then he in the same this. breath, let me also it's- name all of the excuses imaginable for why the team sucked. He said, I could talk about how we didn't have CMC, but I'm not that guy, even though I just was that even guy when I said that. Did, man. Yeah, it's like he said, but I'm not that type of dude. I got my big boy drawers on, right? Then he says this, that they didn't, it's talking about Joe Brady's growth, that they... So now you're talking about a guy who has was brought into this organization, given a giant check because of his familiarity with Joe Brady's system and all of this and how well he is. And you're trying to tell me that this guy is over here. Ultimately, I mean, he's like, hey, this guy, like he's throwing shade on Joe Brady is not being uh, well organized enough or, you know, too wet behind the ears. But then he, in two, one way he says something out one side of his mouth, and then in the other, outside his other side of his mouth, he says something different. He went and said, we didn't practice red zone, two minute and red zone. He said, but then on Friday, we did walkthroughs for red zone. Yeah. And on Saturday, we practiced red zone. It's so and what kind, Yeah. He's, I mean, he's like a lot. It's two faced Teddy. And one other thing, Mr. Uh, I'm a professional and this and that, I've been to training camps. Like, uh, when we say that they practice red zone or, well, like, what does he want? A hundred reps? Like, oh, we uh, the training camp, they run the route one time and they say, you got it? Like, the practices are two hours. But what do you also, want them to do? My thing is this, though. You you saw Pat Peterson and, and, and the uh, guys with Brian McFadden, like, their instant reaction to hearing that. They're like, bro, what? Like, y'all, y'all didn't practice. Like, that's one of the most important things that that a team runs. Listen, that's why I'm having such a hard time believing this. Like, is Teddy just fucking bold faced lying just to save his own stupid face? Because let me tell you, bro, I have a hard time believing that the Panthers were one of the worst teams in the red zone. We knew that we didn't have Christian McCaffrey for most of the year. And yet we're not practicing our red zone efficiency. Like, what yeah. fucking sense does that make at all? Look at this. Uh, this is two good points by 
Jedajor and Jay Young also referencing limitations because of the pandemic, right? Is that we have people in protocol throughout the season. You're trying to, you're really trying to limit contact completely at this, in this kind of bizarre year we had. They're practicing with damn masks on. You know, uh, do you remember all the photos of them practicing with masks on with their little fucking armbands that yeah, can't, yeah, yeah. where they couldn't be within six feet of each other? So yeah. there's no mention of of how that impacted. It's just like, oh, well, we just didn't do like is like these guys didn't know what they were doing. And then the other thing is that he mentioned the science part. Wasn't he one of them nursing an injury all throughout the season? Weren't we dealing with Teddy's hamstring and knee, you know, like and he was limited. So I bet you I bet you the idea was this is like, yeah, COVID world with a nicked up quarterback. Let's go run this play. Let's do it 50 times. You're right, Teddy Bridgewater. We're trying to get you to be able to play on Sunday. It's just, it, it seems, could it, how could we have been so competent as an organization last year when it came to Matt Rule's first season, Joe Brady's first season offensive coordinator, never been the dude, dude. That's a big, these are big yeah. shoes to step into. And I would say that the Carolina Panthers were presentable enough that where we have in this bizarre, also these challenges of the COVID situation, like I, I, I would say that the coaching staff on all fronts impressed me more than I expected them to have to. And under those circumstances, so how can they be so incompetent to not even think about two m- minute yeah, like, it, practices, yeah, but then like put together a team that actually was respectable in a pandemic. Yeah, and, and even still, we were like, dude, what happened? Okay, if that's true, good lord, look out when we actually do start practicing fucking red zone. And another, <laughs> like, and by the way, shout out 89 J Stubbs uh sent us a dollar ninety-nine says uh wide receivers running down the field wide open. What the fuck is he saying? And John Ellis on Twitter today was basically posting video clips of all the numerous red zone plays that we had where there were one, if not two, wide receivers open in the end zone just for Ted to throw an interception or throw the the a ball with the least amount of zip that you have ever seen from an NFL quarterback, dude. Like, just embarrassing. And then when he does shit like this, man, like, it just makes it even worse. That he's so, like, one of my worst fears in life is not knowing how I sound to other people. Like, like uh, to, to be one of those guys that just can't ever read the room and, and read what people are saying and thinking about them, like, that's a nightmare. If you're Teddy Bridgewater, how are you so unaware of not only who you are as a player, but how your words make you look like such a bitch, bro? They make him look like such a bitch. He whines all the time. He makes excuses for why he fucks up, why he damn near tore DJ's ACL in half by missing that pass in the back of the end zone. Like, bro, it's the dumbest shit in the world to me. 89 J Sub says that's a narcissist. And I think I, I think I agree with him, man. I think this dude is too far up his own ass, man. I'm sorry, my daughter's talking to me. Um, You know, I think uh, you can almost pinpoint the week that this mess soured 
And it was that Minnesota game. After the Minnesota game, I said, wasn't that that was that the game he had the fumble into at the beginning? The fumble uh, on the goal line, and then he said, and and they said, um, this is how we uh, handle it. Here is Teddy. This is us after the week after uh, that Minnesota game, and uh, this is Teddy Bridgewater talking about the final moments. And I think this is the beginning of the end of of Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina. And also some sort of divide, I think, happened between him and the staff. You know, is that like, how is it that the Carolina Panthers and this and this guy who they coveted so much, the relationship cooled so quickly? Here's Teddy Bridgewater uh, talking about how basically it wasn't his fault. And then he would come out and change his story later on. Trying to figure out what play call to call, um, you know, in that situation, because it's like, man, do you, do you run a ball? And you know, get stopped. Uh, make a make the clock go down to probably a minute or ten. Throw the ball, try to score. And I think um, honestly, we called a great play. We just didn't have enough time to execute the play. It was a play where we wanted to shift Robbie to get a good you know man zone read. Uh, see what defense they're in, and because we uh, you know we're against the clock, uh, we just had to rush into it. I think if you know we would have got the play call in. You know, um, or we would have been able to make a decision sooner on what call to make. I think um, we see the look, we check to a run play, and hopefully we score, you know, we make the clock go down. But um, just one of those deals where, you know, DJ popped open. Um, wasn't the right look, but still just got to hit the throw problem. TJ, I'm sorry, let me follow up real quick on that. So you're saying that the play came into you late from the sidelines? No, it was just one of those deals where I think um, – they were trying to decide you know, how we wanted to approach the situation. Um, we Basically to, saying they were like you – know, Run the ball, like I said, get the clock down. And then before you know it, once you made a decision, had about 15 seconds, just tried to uh, hurry up and get the play snapped. But uh, looking back, like I said, if we could have just, you know, got it off, you know, a second or three seconds later, we would have got into a run play and you know, had a better chance to score. Target. My favorite part about this is he still just wanted to check into a run. Like that was the whole point. Yeah. It's like, like I don't want the ball, dude. If like if I would have had three more seconds, I could have not been the guy. Th- but making listen, them. do do you all see now how we have played two examples of Teddy Bridgewater talking out of both sides of his mouth in the same sentence? He's like, mm-hmm. oh no, I think they were just trying to you know get the right play call in, which is basically saying that yeah they took too long figuring shit out, and, and it was on them that it took too long to get the play call in. And then right there in the clip that we just played, oh, well, I don't want to bring up Christian McCaffrey being hurt and blah, 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 even though you just fucking did, you moron. Like, oh, so after that Minnesota it. game, after that exact like discussion right there, then Matt Rule and them came on afterwards, right? And they were like, well, I haven't talked to Teddy. I haven't heard his comments yet. And then uh, two days later, the next day, Teddy Bridgewater basically came out, walked it back, and apologized. But after, it's after why, that right? moment, yeah, because he got chewed the fuck out, and they said, we're gonna he's on, and he's, but he's also on Twitter all the time and sees what everyone says about him, and you saw yeah. everyone fucking roasting his ass. So then, it just seemed like the relationship between him and the staff deteriorated more and more from that point on right yeah and right now i think if anything these comments just show that 
they didn't part ways on good terms. No, not at all. So can I we not, hear what Matt Rules got to say? I was just about. I was just man, you're reading my brain, Tony. So I have not seen this. Um, someone in our chat room said they were not impressed with Matt Rule's answer on this, but we shall see. This is what Matt Rule had to say when asked about that. I have but, built in the respect for Teddy. Um, I think in his comments today, he said, you know, he came in after the year and said, "Hey, I won't, you know, I wear my big pro pants. I'll handle things." He's the ultimate professional, which I did. He said, "Big said girl pants." Many times, like, you know, <laughs> the way things go, and you know, when, when we traded him, I called him. I think he did. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I hope that Denver is a great situation for him. I, I like who he is as a man. I like who he is as a football player. Um, I like who he is as a leader. And Just not enough to be here. Like as well. So um, I think if you went back through my comments all of last year, you can't find a bad comment. Um, I don't have anything negative to say. I think he's you know, a great dude. And unfortunately, part of this business is trading guys and moving on from guys. And, and that's the part I haven't really liked about pro football. But it's the necessary part, and um, you know that happened. Hopefully, we did it the right way, and um, I expect him to have tremendous success. As I've said, I have the ultimate. Yeah. So that was about oh, it. Yeah. A lot. And look, Jay Young kind of says what I feel like a lot of Panther fans are kind of feeling too. I'm not really impressed with anything that Matt Rule had to say about this, or they're kind of you know not you know wishing that it would have gone a little bit harder. But he was never going to do that, you know. Like no. this is the this is the head coach of the Panthers. You also don't want it to look like, you know, exactly. That sports nut in the chat says as being a pro. And you're also as you don't want to say things like, uh, well, I'm not going to bring up the fact that we had COVID, but we had COVID. <laughs> I'm not going to bring up the fact that um, we didn't have Dick CMC. Yeah, I would love but it if he just did all the same shit that Teddy Bridgewater did, just said all said a bunch of bad things like put out of the side of his mouth like Teddy did, that would be awesome. But also, uh, you know, you also don't want players in the future to think, oh, well, once the Panthers move on from you, you know, Matt Rule will consider you fair game to air out all your dirty laundry about what you did. Dude, we gave him a goodbye. Well. Thank you, Post. Yeah. On social Cam, media. Cam, uh, Cam didn't really even get that kind of send off. No, and guess what he didn't do either when he left? Grind an axe. Yep, didn't talk shit he about didn't. no one. He didn't. The, on, he, the uh, only thing the only thing Cam Newton did was say, I did not request to be traded. Yeah, that's it. And that was and the, the only thing. The one other thing I think that's interesting is that so many of our perceptions are just fixed. Like we form these beliefs about people or things with very little evidence. And then we hold on to them dearly, right? One of those for a long time was that Cam Newton was a big time egomaniac, narcissist, self-centered, bad teammate. And all what we have seen is like people in reports the whole time we watched him that suggest none of that is like true. Maybe he has got a big ego, maybe. Right, but like I mean, but it wasn't like bad teammate, this and that. So, and then all you hear is this: is that Teddy Bridgewater is the greatest dude. He's a great dude. He's a great dude. But he does more petty shit than yeah. than anybody. But you know what? He's like, oh, sportsman of the war. You know, like all of this. So, an- another thing that has annoyed me mostly about this is that um, there is some sort of dichotomy that has popped up 
in Panther Nation. And maybe it's always been there. And I just didn't notice it as much. But it's like, um, right right now is this, is that like you can't uh, dislike Teddy Bridgewater and like this coaching staff. Right, like you can't do like they're gonna it tell does, you this. It I was like, like it's one or the other. Like you have to either like hate on the coaching staff. Then if you hate on the coaching staff, you gotta love Teddy. And now you can't ever think that Sam Darnold's gonna work. Like yeah. that's like those are the rules. Is that those yeah. are the rules? And I am not gonna change my mind no matter what. The people that is like there's no difference between Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. I'm sorry. That's honestly the most retarded bullshit I've ever heard. Like Teddy Bridgewater was never in contention to be a high first round pick. And the fact that he even made the 31st or 32nd pick whenever he was drafted was uh, was a reach, in my opinion. He's never been a first round kind of player. Um, and, and then, yeah, it's like people want to do this thing where where they, in order to, to say and show how um, – you know how underserviced Teddy Bridgewater was. They do this thing where, oh man, uh, Joe Brady and Matt Rule were, you know, calling the wrong plays or not getting them in fast enough or not practicing enough. Or, or this is the line. Here's the actual line that now has come about, and that is, man, this really uh, what Teddy Bridgewater's saying really makes a lot of sense since we are so damn bad in two-minute situations, the red zone, and the fourth quarter. And ironically, these are all the things that Teddy Bridgewater, who is kind of saying that the Carolina Panthers need to get better at, that's what he he gave Joe Brady a coaching lesson. And it turns out he's – what are the three things he's terrible at? Two-minute, red zone, and fourth quarter. It's yeah. It's funny. I mean, there's some – but you the, I have a singular question about this is that – for the people that are so adamantly, like you say, underserviced, like here's one of a lot, a lot of people, there's a big point to the t- time in the pocket, 2.3 seconds, like the one of the worst time in the pockets in the entire world in the existence, right? That they use that stat. My thing is, what didn't we have a lot of injury on that offensive line? Didn't we have a first-year head coach? Didn't we have a first-year offensive coordinator? Like, I'm really, like, what what did you need to happen to to prove to the, you that these guys have some sort of potential, right? Like, it's like, what do? You, why is it that when we look at the tape here, that the least potential are the two people that are brand new on the job, but this other guy who's been on the job for seven years, we're going to yeah. dismiss everything about that. Yeah. And and believe you me, if Sam Darnold comes out and shits the bed uh, against the Jets or any of these teams early on, you think they're going to be going, well, look at the little, little amount of time of the pocket he's got? No, they're going to be talking shit about Sam Darnold. And that's the thing. It's, a, it, it's just hypocrisy. Like people want to claim that you know uh, we're more excited about Sam Darnold and that we're giving Sam more of a chance than we ever did Teddy. But that's not really even true because we wanted the Panthers to win. So if that meant Teddy Bridgewater winning us football games, we wanted him to do it. We just didn't ever think that he would. Whereas there is a legitimate reason to believe that Sam Darnold can take that that next step. 
Could, could, but we're gonna have to see a lot too. Like, see, here's the thing: is we're in a we're in a season of optimism right now. So, you want to know why we can believe in Sam Darnold is because we haven't had we haven't had the opportunity to not believe in him yet. I mean, like, well, we 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 gotta we gotta eat the we gotta drink the Kool Aid at this point. We made the trade that we got we gotta believe that the team really sees something that they can work with and they got some good value. And if we go out and he's terrible, yeah, and very quickly we'll say, uh, and he's broken. It's not going to yeah, work. No one has earned their flowers. No one. Like no one. Yeah, no oh, one, one person who pass. hasn't, Teddy Bridgewater. You know why? Is he going to be starting for Denver this year? How about that, folks? If, if, if this guy is so good, this and that, and our offensive staff, they, people are calling our staff incompetent right now. I bet you anything, Drew Locke. Starts over Teddy Bridgewater. I agree. I agree. I don't I think he's starting. Anything, bro. Anything. He's not a starter. Like, he's just not a starter. Look, look at what Denver traded for him. Like, we're still paying most of that guy's contract. We're paying yeah. $7 million of his contract this year. We're they're paying under, the whole, yeah. yeah, and they, they offered Dick to trade for him. So it's like, they're not really on the hook for anything. So... I do think that people have a point is is that we can't dismiss that Sam Darnold has not has been anything but a let down, you know, let down to this point. He hasn't played well. Right. And no, we particularly in the last him. two years, he's had some struggles with injuries. So there's some questions there. One of them was like mono, though, that kept him out forever. Um, there is. But one person I found interesting that commented on this was the Jets new head coach. And I'm trying to find the quote. He said it, and it was um, Robert Sala was talking about their draft that they just did. And the the Jets draft, let's see, Jets NFL draft picks. He ultimately said, all right, so they picked um, their first four picks were offensive they picked Zach Wilson. They picked an offensive lineman. Uh, they picked Elijah Moore. And they picked running back Michael, Michael Carter. And Robert Sala came out and said that the time over the last couple of years where they were able to pick a player like Sam Darnold, who is now they're effectively doing the same exact thing with Zach Wilson, informed them on this draft. And ultimately, he said Sam Darnold was in an untenable situation entirely. Like, he was like, uh, you know, look, Sam was put in a tough place. He didn't overcome it, but I'm not sure anybody could have. So, yeah. even, you know, is it, so it's, in, it's just interesting. Is that, and do you want to give up on Sam Darnold potentially? Is that, and look, we, we, we do have to pay him for 10 years. Now we took the fifth year option. We are sinking a ton of money in quarterbacks. And if he doesn't work out, I mean, it's going to be a problem. And I think that the staff and the organization is going to have to answer for it if if he doesn't work out. But if he if it does, it's a great reclamation project. It's one of those things that the move that we did for Sam Darnold, it's only either boom or bust. It can't be good. You know, like, there's no way that it's just good, right? Because if no, Sam because Darnold, that's what Teddy was. Well, or because not, if, 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 if Sam Darnold sucks, then it means that, one, we missed out on Matthew Stafford, which is who they wanted originally, and then we let Justin Fields fall by us. 
So and if, uh, the other dude, Mac Jones. I mean, there's yeah. a lot. I mean, even if you like to, but say it's not Justin Fields. But if it goes the other way, Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule and Dave Tepper looks like they're fucking playing five D chess, and everyone else is playing checkers. Especially with how they navigated the draft and trading back and recouping all of what they lost in the Bridgewater trade. I think in some ways is that you get the payoff of you get the payout of like um, a long shot pick. You know, you're buying a ticket that's got long odds on it, but the ticket is cheap. You know, it's kind of cheap is that if you were drafted Justin Fields and you had questions at eight and stuff like that, I don't know if those questions are legitimate or not. I still think that it was, I was shocked that they let him go by. But the the payoffs are similar uh, to the two guys, right? It's like either they both work out or they don't, right? Or, you know, and the ticket price, though, I think is just cheaper on Darnold. You let the Jets pay the high ticket price on him already. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I, no, yeah, I, the Teddy Bridgewater, I'm really just pissed that the – it's kind of like this coaching set. But really – and then the the people who – or uh, have a lot of suspicions about Matt Rule, and and look, I don't think he's on. I think there's a lot of questions. He's still got a ton to prove. Joe Brady's still got a lot to prove to me. Everyone but I think does. if, but like, I just feel like their first day on the job, that went pretty well for day one, right? And and as they get more experience, I think they're going to get better too. Is that you didn't go? You didn't get this guy and go, oh man, why did we hire this motherfucker? Oh my god. This is a disaster. You know, we're not thinking about firing Matt Rule after last year. No. No. Right? And so the idea that when people said, well, look, this is why we were so bad in this staff. And, like, uh, we didn't practice this. Can you believe this? This is why we were bad in the red zone. It seems like such a condemnation of the staff and a lack of confidence and optimism and just what they can be. And I don't think that that's fair either. No. And how about this, man? Like, for all the people that want to – like uh, the Joe Brady criticism is what really drives me crazy because listen, Teddy Bridgewater for all the shit that we talk about him statistically had a career year last year and only managed 15 touchdowns was terrible in the red zone. And yet Joe Brady's offense produced four players with a thousand yards from the line of scrimmage, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel and Mike Davis. And CMC was not one of them. And CMC was not one of them. So that dude, it's like when it comes to Phil Snow and Joe Brady, it's like any criticism I see of them, it's like I really don't – it just shows me that people have unreasonable expectations. Like I I remember saying this to you before last season, Tony. Like we all knew that last year wasn't going to be our year. It wasn't going to be our year to win much of anything. We're in the start of a rebuild. So our our hopes were never that high. But now we're into the second year of a rebuild. We've added a ton of players. We've had an incredible free agency. So it's like looking at what our coaching staff was able to do when our roster had so many deficiencies uh, on, on different parts of the team. Like it's almost, you know, it, they almost had a fantastic 
opening season in the NFL, especially considering there were eight games that the Panthers lost by one score or less. Like, come on, dude. If that doesn't make you hopeful for the future of what this team can be, dude, I don't know what will. Agreed. All right. Um, so we've talked about the schedule. We've talked about um, uh, homeboy, Teddy. We've talked about the staff. I think that's about all the news I got for this is that uh, I just could not let this Teddy stuff go untouched. Yep. And then apparently I'm looking on Twitter. Everyone's saying that uh, the ticket prices for the Patriots and the Panthers are fucking crazy. I saw really? someone say Tepper is never getting into heaven. I'm hoping, like, we don't know what the capacity is yet, right? Like, it's kind of, is it limited capacity at this point? They can't be selling that stadium out right now. Well, someone asked earlier, what, uh, are, do they intend to um, uh, have a full stadium this year? Well, they want um, that. It's just like, what will the governor say on June? I think he's going to say it in June or July. Like he said, he expects to have all the COVID restrictions gone by June 1st. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I genuinely think. And dude, like, like now, it seems like every week they're opening up the vaccine to new age groups. Yeah, now they're going to be giving it to like, kids. Yeah, n- yeah, they just open it up from like 12 to 15 year olds or whatever or below. So yeah, by the time August rolls around and then um, early September, I anticipate we're going to have a full stadium. I really don't see why not. I mean, this they're selling cool. the tickets. This will make I you mad right here. This will make you mad. Bro, People fucking Mac v- Thon trolling, bro. By the nah, way, I mean, what? Well, he could be, Cam could be hurt by that point. It could be. You know what I mean? Why, why would Possible. y'all put that on, on Cam, man? He'll be fine. I think he is. I think you know. I'm I'm hoping a resurrection year for him. Man, that would like listen. I'm sorry. Like the only team that wouldn't make me happy if Cam was on and they were doing well is the Falcons. Yeah. The Falcons are probably the Saints. Yeah, so those are those are the only two. Any other team that Cam Newton is on when he's not playing the Panthers, I I'm fucking pulling for the team that he's on. I, I agree. Family. All right. All right. You got anything else? No, man. I think that's about it. We, uh, I like the schedule, man. I, I think it's a tale of two halves. But those are my final thoughts, pretty much. We're going to know around um, week seven or week eight. From then on, we're going to find out what kind of football team we are. Um, that the opening half of our schedule to me looks very favorable. And I think we have a, a very strong. Um, chance to really start our season on fire, like really come out of the gate blazing. Guns I do blazing. think that I agree with you. It's like on the face of it, that is the story, and that's the expectation. We all know this is that everything is different when it comes about. So you know, is that it could turn out that the back end of the schedule isn't as mean and nasty by that point in the year as we thought it was because of what's going on with other teams. It could plan out just like we're thinking is like as long as these teams continue on their current trajectory, this is uh, a brutal back end stretch. But one thing that's cool about this to me, about that brutal back end picture, is uh, <laughs> I think I just I saw the guy that said it. Yeah, but the, it just popped it in your head. <laughs> 
what imagine imagine if uh though we were able to kind of start body bagging people at the end of the season and they were good teams and you got momentum like that could be a cool thing too is you start knocking off some big dogs and getting some real in week 13 and getting some real your ball you know then all of a sudden you go into buffalo and you aren't you know playing scared that would be a cool so there's an opportunity with that challenge yeah a real opportunity i like the start of our schedule um it's it's that that last half that that's just really gonna be uh be nerve-wracking i think man but um i'm definitely pumped tony and i you and i have said this on numerous occasions this year going into this season it just feels so much more exciting like there's an energy behind this season that just we were not feeling at the start of last year. And frankly, it's impossible to feel ex- I mean, I can only speak for myself, but it's kind of impossible to feel excited going from my favorite quarterback of all time to Teddy fucking Bridgewater. And my college quarterback was coming out in the draft. It was like last year, there was no, I wanted every bad thing to you know go wrong as far as us winning and losing but this year it's like a polar opposite 180 i'm i'm pumped i like our chances i like the depth i like what we've added our receiving core looks incredible our front seven looks like they are much improved the only the only worry which we'll probably touch on this in the future and more in depth in a later show is our safety position right now, Tony, our safety depth is fucking abysmal, bro. Like, we have no one. Do we might want to sign new? Trey Boston back? We might want to sign Trey Boston back. You're right. I mean, Burris, I think they're counting on Burris to be a contributor. The Franklin kid who's, you know, is okay, man. Is that, But he was young. All right, let's see the picture. Uh, I know that's you what you've been working well, on. You know me too well. You know me too well, Tony. And I was thinking this, if we could get this guy first, tell me about the show a little bit. So basically it's just like people uh, that have like a, a family heirloom, like a blanket or some, you know, some drapery or some shit. And they have a stain or maybe even like a plush. Uh, This one dude had like a little Snoopy from like the 1960s or whatever. And it was all dirty and shit. And he basically just makes everything like brand new, man. He's a real, uh, a real magician in the laundry room. Uh, so if we can get him on the podcast, <laughs> I the need to figure out like, what his name is. We got to get this guy on the podcast, and it'll be like, how do you get uh, grass stains out of a football jersey? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, God, so, I've been tripping out over that shit uh, yeah, all day, bro. And you said you told you told your wife, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah what, I told what, my wife. What, she what, said, "Oh, that." And I said, the, "People said." I said, "Man, these things are been. They've been clowning me all day that this guy's my brother." <laughs> and they said he'd have to be your older brother, your dad. She said, "I was like, I, hey, take your hat off, man. <laughs> take take the hat off. Come on." Let, let I got it, my let hair. It. I got my hair up, man. Right oh, now. Yeah, I'm, all right. I can't blame you. I got my hair up too. But yeah, dude, you and him have the same head of hair, man. <laughs> His is white, though. 
Mine has got some silver streaks in it big time, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, man, that's your brother, dude. You need to reach out to your family, man. It's weird times, and, you know, you need your family now more than ever, so reach out to that, man. <laughs> All right. Really? All right, man, that's the C3 Panthers podcast, uh, also Alternative Laundry <laughs> Management podcast. Uh, my name's Tony Dunn. Uh, you can uh, follow my work on uh, here as well as, what are we on, Discovery Channel or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, check out Tony DLC. on Discovery Plus. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be getting the uh, the pasta stands out of, out, of a, out, of a, out of a T-shirt. Oh, the mustard stain out of a jersey, right? <laughs> the mustard always right on the number, right away. Yeah. First time you... Where, all right, um, we're here live Tuesday night, 9 p.m., 252-228-5098, longest-running Panthers podcast. Don't forget, or I have not forgotten that. I'm still going to do – I got to calculate the winners from the draft night. I have the spreadsheet built. It's, forgive me, guys. I know that in a, in a vacuum that, like, uh, content creators look like they just do this, and that's all they do. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, the semester ended for me yesterday. Like it's the last week of the semester is crazy busy. The draft was the same week. It's just a nightmare. So I'm going to get a little time off from work, be back on my feet, recharged, have those results for you on Tuesday night. Um, and uh, you got what you got going on, Cody? Uh, really not too much, man. Draft tech is all simmered down. So uh, find me on Twitter, holler at me. Uh, at Cody Black. Do you know I'd be bullshitting about something, man? So come hit me up. And, uh, yeah, dude, I'm pumped. I'm I'm loving it. We're I feel like now the draft is over, the schedule's been released. Now we've truly hit that downturn period where we're just yeah, yeah to- because you got to get mini camps. Yeah, I heard actually Penne Sewell tested positive for COVID and is going to miss his rookie mini camp. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, shit, all right, gonna, guys, we'll be back on Tuesday. If you're going to get back on Tuesday. Yeah, that's the truth. Back on Tuesday, 9 o'clock, at cat underscore chronicles here, at Cody Lack over there, and uh, we'll see you Tuesday. Later. Keep pounding. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.